That photograph last week of hockey star Sidney Crosby with a swollen cheek serves as the perfect poster for our next subject as we talk mumps and how it's sweeping the NHL. Joining us right now for our special weekly Thursday health feature is Dr. Carolyn Pym, Associate Medical Officer of Health with Ottawa Public Health. Doctor, good to speak with you. Good afternoon, Rick. Mumps. When I was a kid, it was fairly common, right? Yes. Yeah. In in Canada, before we had a, a good vaccine for this, we probably saw um, up to 45,000 cases a year. I don't remember it being a huge deal. I know there was some risk. I remember, you know, in my memory banks that it had some risk for young boys. But uh, generally, we all got through it okay. Uh, yeah, it it it, it generally um, it it the, the serious complications are quite rare, but but you're right in uh, in boys who have uh, gone through pu- puberty and adult males, about a third of them will get swelling of their testicles. Now it doesn't it only rarely leads to infertility, but um, that that is a complication of mumps. And then uh, but one in ten people who get mumps will get inflammation around the lining of the brain, which is called meningitis. So there are uh, and there there are complications to it, and then certainly um, a person can be ill for up to 10 days, so it, it can be pretty uncomfortable as well. So there can be long-term implications, right? Uh, y- y- yes. I mean, it, it, they're, they're rare. So, I mean, it, it, does, it can lead to deafness, but that's, that's rare. And as I mentioned, infertility is also rare. Does it strike boys more than girls? No, no. It's just that uh, the, the complications are a little more obvious in, in boys. So as you have seen, it seems to be sweeping the NHL. Why is it that the NHL, and specifically its players, are particularly prone, do you think? Well, I don't think it's necessarily that they're they're particularly prone. It's probably more related to the environment that they're in. So once you have mumps, mumps is very infectious. So once you you have a case, however that is acquired, um, it it can be spread through coughing and sneezing. Um, if if the players are sharing drinks, um, and uh, it it can be spread that way. So if they're they're in close contact, they're in you know they're in the dressing room. They're um, if surfaces are contaminated with secretions, respiratory secretions, then then other people can can pick them up. So um, it can can be easily transmitted in in close environments like that. We haven't seen a similar outbreak, though, in in basketball or in football. Now, it makes me think that certainly vis-a-vis football, hockey players travel every day. You know, Mm -hmm. they're, they're in 30 different cities over the course of 60 days, it seems. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit. Does that contribute, I think, a, a little bit to the vulnerability of hockey players? Well, only in as much as if they're traveling to an area where there's a mumps outbreak or mumps is more common. So, for example, in Ontario, mumps has been quite uncommon in the last couple of years. In, in Ottawa, we haven't had any cases this year, and, and on average, we have less than five cases a year. So, um, you know, in, in our environment here, it's pretty uncommon, but if you're traveling to, to other countries or even other parts of, of countries where there may be an outbreak, then that, that certainly can be a factor. And, and certainly for international travel, for people traveling outside of North America, we, we strongly recommend that people check their immunization status and make sure that they're vaccinated not only against mumps, but also measles and other, other potential diseases they could come in contact with. This NHL spread seems to have originated with one of the hockey teams in California. Now, maybe it's just a coincidence, but we all know that Certain individuals in Hollywood, starlets, you know, have been coming out in recent years with anti-vaccination type campaigns, you know, allegedly linking them to, uh, you know, uh, I guess very various afflictions for children, including autism. Now, that has been proven to be absolutely not true, but sometimes, you know, information like that can spread around enough people think it's true. Do you think that's had an impact here? 
Well, certainly in in Ontario, we we haven't haven't seen that. I mean, there there is a slight trend towards increasing what we call vaccine hesitancy. But we know that in Ottawa, for example, when we look at our our high school kids, that's one of the groups that we monitor the immunization coverage. Over 95 percent of them, uh, in our most recent statistics, were uh, vaccinated against against mumps. Um, but it is it really is a reminder that it is important to uh, to to check your immunization records and and make sure that you are up to date. So uh, recently, um, the, the legislation in Ontario was changed so that uh, two doses of mumps containing vaccine are required uh, for, for school attendance in, in, uh, in Ontario. And in, in our province and in, in most in, in Canada, that's given uh, in, addition, in the same vaccine as, as measles and rubella or German measles. Have you seen any evidence in Ottawa or maybe in sharing information with your colleagues in Canada, any kind of anti-vaccination movement among among parents, similar to what we've seen in, in some areas in the United States. Oh, I think there's a, there's a whole range in terms of uh, uh, people's uh, parents and and other people's uh, um, uh, uh, approaches or, or attitudes towards uh, immunization. The vast majority of people are very supportive of immunization, and there, and there's a very small number who are very adamantly against it. But there's also a group of of people who, you know, who are are looking looking at the the information and 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 hearing some of the misinformation that that comes out and are questioning that. And that's that's why it's really important to get the the correct information out and that that vaccines are are safe and and they're very effective and and. Certainly for something like mumps, they're the, the most effective way to, uh, to prevent the disease. I want to bring it back to Sidney Crosby a little bit. He's an adult. He's not a kid. And I always associate mumps with kids or certainly in my youth. Is it common for adults to get mumps more, as common as, as it is for kids? And does it have a different effect? Well, before we had vaccines, mumps was a childhood disease. So that's if you're a person of a certain age, like like me or others, uh, most most of my generation would have had mumps as a child. But as when the vaccines uh, became available and and we we had a more highly um, immunized population, then generally the people who would get mumps would be people who fall through the cracks, either didn't have their um, their their vaccine or or may only had one dose. So what we found was initially only one dose of mumps vaccine was was recommended for for children. Um, but then, as that w- that prov- proved to be not effective to control all the outbreaks, so so um, in the um, in the 1990s, uh, an additional dose was recommended. So there is a group of people who who are let's say in their 20s and 30s now who were are are too young to have been exposed to a lot of natural mumps. That's like people born before 1970 would would be have that kind of natural immunity, but they weren't they weren't caught by the the second dose of of mumps. Vaccine. So we do have that group of people in their 20s and 30s who, who are may have only had one dose, and and certainly that's that's a group that um, is is probably where we're seeing most of the cases. So in a case for like Sidney Crosby, he's an athlete, he's very healthy, young guy. How long is he out of action in recovering from the mumps? Well, it, I mean, it certainly varies from person to person. In term, from a public health perspective, um, a person we we uh, a person needs to be isolated from from other people and and workplaces and things like that, and schools um, for for five days after their the onset of their symptoms. So that's that's so to prevent it it spreading from other people. But they may uh, they may not feel well at the end of five days, in which case they would you know they would stay home until they're feeling better. We're talking about mumps now. Again, in in my youth, not to keep taking us back there, uh, there was mumps, there was chicken pox, there was measles. So it's not just about mumps out there when it comes to vaccinations, right? 
No, absolutely not. I mean, this is a, this is an excellent reminder, especially when you see these these elite athletes, these 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 young healthy people, um, falling ill because of these vaccine preventable diseases. It, it reminds us that that even though vaccines have been incredibly successful in in reducing these diseases, they are still around. And um, we've had we had measles earlier this year uh, in in Ottawa and in other places in Ontario. Uh, we continue to have whooping cough. Uh, you may have seen that Angel, Angelina Jolie came down with chickenpox. Um, all those are vaccine preventable. And and uh, it's you know when when we have a high profile person like this uh, getting a vaccine preventable disease, it's a really good opportunity for for people to to really just check in uh, their records and their children's records to uh, to make sure that they're all up to date. Do vaccines guarantee you 100%? Do they do they insulate you from any possibility of getting something like chickenpox or mumps? No, no, and and that's 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 a really important point. There's there's nothing that's uh, there's nothing that's 100% effective. You know, I mean, we 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 put on seat belts every time we go in the car, but they're not going to prevent every single injury if we if we have a car crash. Uh, vaccines are in general highly effective, and and some are certainly more effective than than others, but but most of them are. Most vaccines that we're using routinely for for children are are over ninety percent effective and and uh, again are the best uh, the best ways of of preventing um, transmission. But that's not to say that we should forget. Again, one of the other really key public health messages is things uh, the really basics: wash your hands. If you're coughing or sneezing, cover that you know with your elbow or a tissue, not your hand. Um, and and really, if you're sick, um, stay home or avoid avoid exposing other people. Yeah, and that leads perfectly to my last question. I'd be remiss in not getting an update from you on the flu outbreak. It seems like we have one every year. Uh, where do things stand right now? Well, we uh, we're, we're definitely into the flu season here in in uh, Ottawa. We've had uh, as as of yesterday, we've had 28 lab confirmed cases, and and we've got about eight outbreaks on the go in in long term care facilities. So it's certainly here. Um, we. Um, but but it's it's also an opportunity to uh, to to remind people that it's not too late to get your flu shot. Um, it's available through your doctor's office or through uh, we have over 170 pharmacies in in Ottawa. So it's upon us, but it's not too late to get it because uh, flu usually sticks around for for quite a while, and there's an, um, you know there, there's usually more than one strain that circulates over the over the winter months. Doctor, good to check in with you. Thank you very much. Thank you.